It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today we have a packed episode for you of very, very good content. Originally, we were planning to do an in-depth game review, but upon rewatch, we both feel like we covered most of the interesting notes, so we will have a little bit of that in this episode. But for the most part, we're going to talk about some breaking news coming out of Paul Brown Stadium today, where Zach Taylor has announced the starters. A couple of unexpected starters on the offensive side of the ball. And we also have an interview with defensive lineman Andrew Brown. After the interview, we'll talk a little bit more about what Brown brings to the Bengals. And if there are any notes that we want to add on from preseason game three, we'll throw those in at that point in segment three. But the Locked on Bengals lead story today is Zach Taylor announcing two starters on the offensive side of the ball undrafted free agents and the first of those is that Trey Hopkins will be starting at center Michael Jordan will be starting at left guard and Damian Willis will be starting a wide receiver that's three players I don't think anyone expected to be starting for the Bengals three weeks ago and definitely not the position I, I mean we talked about maybe Trey Hopkins could be the starter at left guard just because you'd think you'd fall back on the draft pick and the capital spent on Billy Price and they'd lean in that direction and start him at center then maybe Hopkins would slide into that left guard position instead uh, the foot injury uh, gave Hopkins a chance to win this job and win it apparently he did and it puts Billy Price as the first guy off the bench the sixth man if you will and that's why he got reps at left guard and right guard in weeks uh, week three of the preseason because he'll be the guy to step up should a guard or center go down. Yeah, he'll be the first player off the bench at any of those interior line positions. It sounds like there might also be a plan to move Trey Hopkins and just put Billy Price's center. So we'll have to see where he gets more time in practice. Not that we will get much of a window into the practices from here on out this season. And we'll see where he lines up in week three or week four of the preseason because now you expect that he should get a lot of time against the Colts as a guy who's not going to be a starter. And he's been out there in the second half of preseason games, two and three. So yes, I would expect him to be out there and, and playing and competing, but yeah, since the roster is pretty much set, or I should say the starting lineup is set for week one, it doesn't sound like a strong performance will shake the the previous 1000 snaps they've seen in practice and, and in preseason games. So uh, Trey Hopkins will be the starter at, at center I think the interesting or maybe more interesting thing, because I think Hopkins has shown in their equal time last year that he probably is a better center than Billy Price right now. The other part of this is that rookie fourth round pick Michael Jordan is going to be starting at left guard. And while he's been, I'd say, okay, too good at times in preseason, I think Billy Price and his upside should, or I think on the surface, weigh that outweigh that. And 
I would have thought he would be the starter at left guard, but instead it is going to be the rookie. And of all the rookies they drafted, I didn't expect Michael Jordan to be the one starting on week one. And the coaching staff has been extremely bullish on Jordan. Yeah, but if you're going to expect an Ohio State offensive lineman drafted in the last two years to be playing on the Bengals' interior in 2019, I don't think anybody had Mike Jordan as their starting guard. People asked me when he was drafted, what are the chances he can end up starting? And at the time, remember, we thought Clint Bowling was on the roster, and quickly we heard that Cordy Glenn would be playing left guard. Uh, They signed John Miller in the offseason. I thought it would take a crazy scenario or a lot of bad things to happen to get Michael Jordan out there, but some crazy scenarios and some bad things in terms of retirements and injuries did happen, and he's actually played decently. So if he's winning the starting job, I'm excited. I'm excited to put a young guy in there. This is our clearest sign, in my opinion. It's just the offensive line. We'll talk about receiver in a second. Clearest sign that New Day isn't just their new slogan. There's actual competition and jobs up for grabs. Well, and I think the wide receiver position change is is really the confirmation that you needed to know that this is, in fact, a new day and not just a new offensive line coach. The fact that Damian Willis is out there and also has won a starting job, which means over Cody Core, over Josh Malone, over, to a lesser extent, I guess, Auden Tate, he's going to be out there starting with John Ross in the A.J. Green role of this offense. And... If it was just the offensive line, you could say, okay, Jim Turner has his types. He has his favorites. But this is across the roster. It looks like true competition has played out, and this is what we're going to get in week one. Now, I expect this to change as the season goes on. Obviously, A.J. Green comes back. Damian Willis is going to have a hard time seeing the field, unless, I guess, he steps into John Ross's role if they feel like he can do that in this offense as well. But I think there's also a chance that Billy Price ends up starting again at some point this season. I would actually count on it. Yeah, I think you make a good point there, Jake, because it is the same wide receiver coach as the last two years in Bob Bicknell. So it's not as if a new receiver coach is coming in and getting a fresh look at these guys. This is a a coach that drafted John Ross, Josh Malone, and Auden Tate, and yet Damian Willis is able to beat out at least Malone and Tate to replace A.J. Green for the first few weeks. I'll be very curious to see how this plays out on the defensive side of the ball as well, if it does. Either way, that's going to wrap up our Locked On Bengals lead story. Those are your biggest news notes coming out of Paul Brown Stadium today. We'll be right back with our interview with Andrew Brown. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. 
And we're back with the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Yeah, we got a lot of news to talk about, but we also have some exciting things to get to. And one of them is that we got to talk to a Bengals player today. And right after their walkthrough on Sunday, if you're listening to it on Sunday, we got to talk to second-year defensive lineman, fifth-round pick last year, 158th overall. That is Andrew Brown, defensive tackle out of Virginia. And this is something that has come of my trip to Paul Brown Stadium a couple weeks ago. Something that we're hoping to continue into the regular season. We'll see how it goes. This is a pilot today with Andrew Brown. And we're hoping to do it next Sunday as well. We'll see if it all works out. I guess next Sunday is kind of cut down day. So uh, we'll have to see how the timing all works out. But yeah. But today, Emily Parker was kind enough to coordinate with us to set up this interview with Andrew Brown, and he was very gracious. So let's go ahead and share with you that interview. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. So, Andrew, uh, second year. Uh, I, I have to thank for you this year, not, after not making the team at the final 53 cutdown. You probably feel the pressure coming into this camp and this this preseason, but, man, you've looked really good. Uh, how are you feeling right now after three weeks are done, you've got the last game to go, do you feel good about your status? Are you still concerned, or are you like, i got to put something out there in the fourth game and make sure I, I make this team? Um, At this point, I'm just mainly just keeping my head down and just grinding, you know, because as we all know, this thing can shake out any way, you know. So... Honestly, just trying not to count numbers, trying not to worry about what may happen on Friday. I'm just worried about, you know, the Indianapolis Colts and having a great game against them. Yeah, the Colts are going to be an interesting team to play with Andrew Luck's retirement announcement. Has that (laughs) hit the locker room? What do you guys think about all that? Oh, man, you know, hey, two weeks is on, man. Hey, the man did what he felt he had to do, so... Mainly, uh, everybody's just, you know, focused on the game plan that we're putting in and things like that. It wasn't really a whole lot of conversation on it. Andrew, you've been playing a lot of defensive end, a lot of defensive tackle. I think right now you're pretty split 50-50 in this preseason. Uh, And, you know, that comes from college. And then even I remember at the Senior Bowl, you playing pretty much defensive tackle and you had a great week, great game there. Do you, do you feel more comfortable at one position or the other? Do you think your versatility helps you? Is there one position where you're like, yeah, I, I like playing defensive end, maybe in your in the base 4-3, but kick me inside, and that's where I'm going to make my money. Because it seems like lately they're putting you more inside as the preseason has progressed. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like my versatility definitely created value for me. Um, I feel like I'm pretty even, you know, as far as both positions are concerned. And then also with that, like, it just looks good on film, you know, the more you can do. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. How does your pass rushing plan differ when you're coming off the edge versus coming off from a three tacker or an inside alignment? We've noticed that you have a really good anticipation of the snap. You're getting off the ball. You're usually the first person to move off the snap. We've noticed a little bit of the swim that you like to go to on the inside. So can you talk a little bit about how your plan is different outside and inside? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, as far as my plan is concerned, like on the outside, you know, of course you got a little bit more room to operate um, as far as working to the edge on the guy. But when you're in the middle, you know, you still want to work to an edge, but it's not as much room and you got to be conscious of the slide protection. So it's it's different factors that play into both uh, with my game, but ultimately the goal is to get to the quarterback. So, 
Right. And uh, so when you're on the outside then, and, and you know, say you're out there and you're in the four three defense, are you more run oriented or thinking run? And then versus when you when they do kick you inside, you're like, okay, this is my chance. It's probably a nickel package. Uh, this is when I am thinking more focused as a as a pass rusher. That and more so, you know, the down and distance got to pay attention to that as well. That's those are like the key things that you got to you know know as a defensive end, even as a defensive lineman in general. You just got to know like the down and distance and um what the situation may be, you know, the personnel things like that. Do you have a favorite play or a play you feel like is a signature play for you so far in this preseason? Uh, obviously the sack that I got in Kansas City. That's that was probably like a great play for me. Um, for, especially since it was my first one. You know, in the NFL, it felt great, and I'm mm. planning to get another one this week. I hear that. I like that. <laughs> you say you're keeping your head down, not really counting numbers. I would think you know, just like any job. In like you know, if there's a layoff or anything or a job opening, I, I'm sure the locker room at least talks about. It. You guys ever look at it and go, are they keeping nine? Are they keeping ten? Or are people telling you, yeah, I feel like you're on the roster right now. You guys got to talk about it a little bit, right? Uh, just a little bit, but you know, it's like in the end of the day, after that conversation is had, is control what you can control, you know, and what we can control is what we put on the film, so. Andrew, we've I talked a little bit about that swim move and that get off. Do you have any favorite move that you like to go to that that you are really proud of, or what do you think maybe is is what your best trait is? As I think we really value as a pass rusher. You you've obviously done some really good work in run defense, especially against Kansas City. You had a couple run stops, but do you have a favorite move? Do you have something that you really like to hang your hat on and build your game around as a best trait? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably say my bull rush. I have a great bull rush. That's that's my, that's my bread and butter right there. And that's what sets up the swim move, right? Because then if you can give them a push-pull and uh, get those offensive linemen to reach or, or overextend or lose their balance, that's when it becomes more effective. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Good luck against Indianapolis. Thanks for Thanks for the time. Good luck, Andrew. All right, thank you so much. So that was fun, huh, Jake? Something hopefully we can do every single week would be a nice treat for our listeners and and some fun interaction and experience there. But, yeah, Andrew Brown, I think uh, it's hard because you see lately a lot of 53-man projections, and I I think it's kind of split. Some have them on that roster. You know, you keep maybe 10 defensive linemen. Sometimes they put them over uh, a Renell Wren or or, uh, maybe Jordan Willis to get him as a ninth defensive lineman. And I think that's feasible, but at the same time, I think it's still probably 50, 50. He needs to probably put in a strong performance week four to really make them um, put him on this roster. I think for me, I, you know, I don't know how you feel in terms of building our 53 and we're going to do that this week before the final game, but I would want him on my roster just based on his ability. I think I 100% am with you there. I think he brings something, especially on the inside, that is a rare enough ability in the NFL. The fact that he consistently gets off the ball, the first guy off every snap, he brings some power to his game. He has a lot of agility. We talked about his agility testing, especially uh, as it as it compares to interior players. I just think that there's something there. There's a lot of potential there. And right now he offers more than some of the other guys you could look at keeping. And Christian Ringo now, the news is he might end up on the IR. 
So that could free up a roster spot regardless mm-hmm. of where Andrew Brown lands. I think he has enough talent to be on a 53-man roster in the NFL. And I hope it's in Cincinnati, but if it's not, he'll land somewhere. I do agree with that. I do think he's got a good shot to land somewhere. Uh, I mean, this guy was a five-star recruit out of high school. He was, I, if you go back and look at draft prospects and, and scouting reports and that year, 2018, a lot of people liked Andrew Brown as a day two pick, second or third round. Maybe he'd get to the fourth, but I think most people people comfortably felt he'd go in day two. And instead, the Bengals got him in the fifth round. So I think there's a lot of grades out there that still like him. Now, another team could have plucked him last year off the practice squad where he spent, I believe, 10 games uh, in that role. But I do think because he played so well this preseason so far. And, and when you look, anyone around the league could use a interior pass rusher that has a good get off good first step, can time the snap, has some burst to him and some agility to him. And he is versatile enough to play DN, D-tackle, and maybe a 3-4-4-3. doesn't matter. I think he, you, would, you could find a spot for him. So for me, I think Andrew Brown lands on his feet somewhere, even if it's not in Cincinnati. Yeah, and you hope that Cincinnati has found the right spot for him, right? And I think that's what he needs is just to be employed optimally and, and deployed optimally, I guess I should say, and, and then you'll start getting those five-star results. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully uh, that's the case because as we saw, you know, during the during the uh, interview with Brown, we, you and I looked up uh, stats and see where he's been playing. He's 61 snaps at DN, 53 snaps at defensive tackle so far this preseason. But last week was three snaps at defensive end, 22 snaps at defensive tackle. So I think they're even feeling it out a little bit little bit, and feeling more comfortable with him inside and maybe employing him in a better direction. Maybe they view it as an uh, upward curve for him and that he's just now hitting it as they are more comfortable with what he can and can't do. So we hope the Bengals have a hidden gem in Andrew Brown and wish him the best in his future, regardless of where he lands. We really appreciate the time he took to talk with us today. We're going to take another break. But the NFL season starts next week, which means Crossover Wednesday, a feature here on the Locked On Podcast Network, will be back. For the entire NFL season, you'll get a special episode on Wednesdays with the host from the opposing team, and we'll preview the excitement of that game that week together. So look forward to that next week with the hosts of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Corbin Smith, Rob Rang, and Nick Lee. We'll be right back. And we're back with segment three of the Lockdown Bengals podcast with Jake and Joe here. We kind of wanted to go back and circle around to the news. As we're recording this, Zach Taylor finished his press conference, so we just wanted to see if there was anything else coming out of that. Uh, One of the funny things or or interesting side pieces of Damian Willis being named the starting wide receiver is that he found out through Twitter from Zach Taylor's press conference via Ben Baby of ESPN. So I don't know if that's... uh, you know, Zach Taylor dropping bombs to the media and not telling the locker room if that's a fun thing or an interesting or even a scary thing. But it's definitely new. I don't think Marvin Lewis was doing that. He was more close to the media and probably more going on in the locker room behind the scenes. Uh, But that's how Damian Willis finds out that he's the starting wide receiver in place of A.J. Green week one. The other receiver spot, or I should say the second of the the two receivers that are injured in A.J. Green and John Ross, John Ross will practice – today on Sunday and Zach Taylor wasn't ready to comment on if he will start or not that week one I I assume he wants to see him practice as we all would but also that uh, he would play a valuable role and that he sees him as a starting receiver in this league yeah I think 
that John Ross is a starter if he makes it through two weeks of practice. I think yeah. that is the only caveat on John Ross starting week one. And it's too bad that you don't get to see him for the preseason, but honestly, the implementation that we've seen actually practice in preseason games is so limited that I don't think that it's necessarily that he's missing a whole lot if he gets two full weeks of practice in. If he does get those two, two full weeks in, that means he's getting all of the complexity stuff, all of the specific game plan for Seattle. He should be ready to go. Yeah, and it's kind of you look how they treated uh, Joe Mixon and how they treated even Geno Atkins, Tyler Eifert, uh, Carl Lawson. Yes, yeah, some of those guys did see snaps in week three, but 10 snaps. What's well, Eifert seen 10 snaps all year uh, in preseason so far? They have been very tight with these guys that they feel are valuable pieces, but, and, you know, not all of them are injury risk, but Mixon could be because he's a running back at any time, but Eifert obviously is. Uh, Carl Lawson coming off in the injury and Geno Atkins has had injuries in the past and is maybe their best player that is healthy and also, uh, you know, don't need to see him in preseason. So the way they've handled it, I think we probably would have seen a limited amount of John Ross had he have even been healthy anyways. Yeah, I agree with that. They've been very conservative with their players in the preseason. And this is a trend across the NFL. It's not just the Bengals. Yep. In the last two years, you're not seeing starters play really extended snaps in, in the NFL. I did want to note a couple things related to the game on Thursday. It's not Sunday yet. Sunday's in, in two weeks. But uh, we talked a little bit about Carl Lawson. We, we highlighted his one sack, of course. But I would say he won six out of seven snaps he was on the field. There was one snap where Nate Solder managed to uh, kind of anchor a long-arm bull rush inside kind of attempted move that didn't quite materialize. But outside of that... Lawson won with an inside move. He won around the outside. He won on a bull rush. He won consistently against a very, very solid left tackle in Nate Solders. So that bodes, I think, really well for his potential this season. And I'm glad that, you know, he didn't need the preseason snaps. Clearly, I'm okay with him not playing there and, and making sure he gets healthy into the regular season. And PFF loved him. You know, that's one thing when we come back and do these uh, the, these secondary looks at the previous game, we'll get some grades and instant react or not instant. We'll get some analysis and reaction from other analysts around the league to really compare with our notes. But yeah, PFF gave him a ninety five point one, and that's not the only standout or, or amazing grade because I, I don't think I've ever even seen a grade that high for um, uh, for for a Bengals player. But I want to say ninety nine. Yes, for for um, C.J. Uzama on offense. So two standout crazy games that must be in your limited snaps, right? If each guy gets 10 snaps or so, that means you're dominating completely. And I think it's fair to say that he did. He caught that tight end screen and took it for quite a few yards after the catch, and then he came back and caught a touchdown pass, one easily getting behind Jabril Peppers. Perfect throw. Two plays, two big plays. You can't you can't do much better than that. He also graded out pretty well as a pass blocker. He only had a couple snaps there, but Uzama hardly played, graded really well. On that note, it's probably worth mentioning Dalton also graded really well, and his numbers probably would have looked a lot better if Tyler Boyd hadn't dropped that pass yep. over the middle. Yeah, and for the season, for the preseason, because now it's probably done for Andy Dalton, right? And he's not going to play week four. He's got an 87.1 grade. This pretty much lines up exactly with what he did last preseason. I think it was an 86, which, and and we both said in an evaluation perspective, we thought Dalton's best year was last year in terms of ability and what he was doing. Uh, so if he continues that, that's that bodes well. And like I said, I think this podcast is very bullish on Andy Dalton for the Zach Taylor fit in a Ram-style offense. 
if they can get the pieces healthy around him, we we definitely like the output you can get from him this year. Uh, so he's clearly had 87 overall grade so far for through three weeks. The next highest guys are Ventrell Bryant, Cody Core, and Andre Smith. For what it's worth, and it might not be worth a lot to you, especially if you don't like pro football focus, but Andy Dalton is the eighth highest graded quarterback in preseason and amongst players expected to start. Uh, he is, I would say, third behind Case Keenum and Matt Ryan. Case Keenum, though, number three. Yeah, he won that starting job, right? He did. It was announced today that Case Keenum will be the starter in Washington, beating out Dwayne Haskins. And there are some groans on Twitter about that. But if Case Keenum has played as well as PFF says he has in the preseason, then I, I, yeah, I don't see how that's really a question. This kind of leads into uh, other NFL news. We'll get a lot of probably trade speculation. We'll probably have a, a segment or a show on waiver wire guys we're interested in and trades because you see a lot of whether it's uh, offensive linemen or big guys like Jadavion Clowney or or uh, Trent Williams and even some guys for the Dolphins seems like the Dolphins are having a fire sale as they're trying to tank their way to the first pick right and that includes like Kiko Alonso, Rashad Jones or uh, Kenny Stills and we'll talk about those guys in the next few days we're not going to spend too long on that here because one the biggest I was gonna say one of it is the biggest news in probably sports and it, I think it brings on some conversation and has some relation to the Bengals is that Andrew Luck is going to retire at age 29, just a week, really a week and a half before the regular season opens. Never in my life have I seen anything quite like this. A player at the top of his game dealing with a ton of injuries on a team that by all accounts has a chance to get to or make a playoff run with a solid defense, a much improved offensive line. But Andrew Luck took so Many beatings early in his career faced yeah. the highest amount of pressure on a per game basis for the first four or five years of his career, took the most punishment, had a lacerated kidney, played with it, had a rib injury, had leg injuries, had a shoulder, shoulder. injury. Mm-hmm. It's just so much that's piled up on the guy. And it makes me think about the Carson Palmer deal in Cincinnati. And yes, there are a lot of differences. Palmer kind of threatened retirement as an ultimatum. He wasn't probably as well thought of as Andrew Luck at that point in his career. The Bengals certainly were not as well thought of as this Colts team would have been with Andrew Luck this year. But that's a quarterback that was a number one overall pick who had some decoration to him, was a very strong prospect. Sorry, what was that? The standard in terms of quarterback prospects now. Oh, yeah. And and he's retiring, and it's That's crazy, it. and they're angry Colts fans. But I was one of the ones that was never mad at Carson Palmer. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like these guys owe fans anything, especially knowing how brutal the game is. And that's exactly why Andrew Luck is walking away. And it's it's increasingly interesting because I think it was Stephen Holder who did a piece on Andrew Luck and about how his rehab. And he said if he hadn't hurt his shoulder, he doesn't think he would have gotten married he thinks he would have screwed up his relationship if he hadn't had the time away from the game to solidify his relationship with his wife and then they got married yeah you know it's just a whole there's a lot that we don't even take into account i think as fans and outsiders that not just a toll physically but also mentally and how that time away from the game affects you and as and i was going to lead into that point and and you just brought that that he wouldn't have gotten married it hadn't been for that shoulder injury i think when you have that and you have a year off or year and a half and 
I think sometimes you you know you get away from the team, you do other things, especially if you're a smart guy that likes to do other things, like Andrew Luck apparently is. Maybe that opens his eyes to man, is it worth it? You know, I've got the money and I, I'm getting a, a beating out here, and all of a sudden for the next two years he's still dealing with injuries of different sorts. You know, what I thought of though was if like Derrick Rose had retired you know, seven years into his career after all those injuries and said, you know, the basketball player for the Chicago Bulls, Jake, you know, you're a Bulls fan, but, uh, you know, had he had retired at the height of his game when you know he could have played for another, you know, he, how long has he played since? And he's still a productive player. And Andrew Luck could have still been good. And he probably would have recovered from this ankle injury and he probably would have been good for another eight years or so and dealt with injuries as he's gone. But at some point, everyone's got to call it quits no matter what job you're in. I think everyone retires when they feel, number one, they can't physically do it anymore, or number two, when they've got enough money to do it and they feel financially secure to do it. It would be great if we could do it when we don't love our jobs anymore. Heck, all of us would retire on Monday morning, I think it would be. But, uh, you know, they get that opportunity, and and, and that's so much different than us. But I, to touch on the Carson Palmer point, because I also made that comparison on Twitter, that it – Colts fans are probably feeling how Bengals fans did. And some people took this, I think, in a much different direction than I, I think I intended it. Uh, because Colts fans were booing Andrew Luck as he was walking off the field. Uh, I don't know where the report leaked from, but he was going to have a press conference on Sunday after the game. He was going to tell his team after the game. And that didn't go according to plan. Instead, he had to walk off the field in front of the fans. Imagine if Carson Palmer's uh, I, I'll never step foot again in Paul Brown Stadium where I want to be traded comments came out during a game and he had to walk off the field. I mean, they would have they would have threw everything possible down on him. But uh, yeah, so I felt for luck there. I felt for Colts fans that were maybe lashing out due to disappointment and, you know, the investment you make as a fan and you probably bought your season tickets already if you're at this preseason game and now the season is probably not going to go the way you had hoped or even, you know, uh, dreamed it would. So I get their frustration. I, I still feel like that a lot of them will probably look back at that situation and feel bad for what they did. And and I think Bengals fans, even years later, have a different take or different reaction to Carson Palmer than they did maybe at the time when it was raw and emotional. Some do. I don't think some people will ever forgive Andrew Luck. I think there are some people that would never forgive Carson Palmer. And I think both of those people – are doing it wrong, you know? This is, you got to remember that football is a game and that these guys, they're all set for life, you know? Yeah. All, all of these guys could go out there and retire after their Especially the deal. quarterbacks. Yeah, these, these first first overall drafted quarterbacks could go out there, play their rookie deal, take, you know, a two-year deal or a one-year deal after that. Even if they wanted to, they could easily retire off that rookie deal. Yeah. And, and they they could go live a great life. And uh, you just you just got to kind of keep it in perspective. Football is not life, right? Andrew Luck has other goals. And I think that there are some really interesting Twitter threads out there. We won't get into them now. We don't have time. Uh, but about how smart players are seen as risky prospects for this very reason. Yeah. That when they Josh have. Rosen. Yeah, when they, exactly. When they have goals outside of football, you think they might, you know, want to have a family, go travel the world, do other things. Yeah, it, it, it just gets complicated. Th those those threads are out there. They're interesting. I think they're worth reading. Yeah. One other point for me, Jake, is that uh, I remember a few years ago, and I'm trying to remember what website it was. I, I, I had to be ESPN, but it may have been something else. But they uh, 
use Carson Palmer's career as the biggest what if in NFL history as how it could have went differently had he not dealt with injuries and, you know, been with the Bengals, yada, yada. And I think that'll be replaced now with Andrew Luck in terms of what could have happened and what should have happened for a guy that talented. And it wasn't just raw talent. It's not like he was, you know, a, a bust out there. I had someone tell me that they think Andrew Luck is now a bust, and I can't agree, can't disagree with that more. Uh, so he had the talent. He performed on the field. He We saw firsthand in 2014 playoff game. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll be – Carson Palmer will be replaced on that list at the top with Andrew Luck now. Yeah, up there with, with Megatron's retirement and Barry Sanders' retirement. Yeah. The Lions have company now. They do. Teams that have had players retiring way prematurely. Anyway, that's going to do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast today. We'll be back tomorrow getting ready for the final week of the preseason. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one.